to our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob is uh, still off doing his uh, many adventures and many retreats, um, but we have filling in once again uh, Father Brian Lynch, who joined us before. Father Brian, how are you doing? I am well. Good to be with you. It's good to see you today. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're in the same studio, which is, I think, different than... This rocks. Oh, good. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. Well, we live close to one another. Right. Right. So, um, but you have a podcast studio set up in your church. Yes. Which is fantastic. For doing podcasts, it's extremely uh, convenient. And uh, how is the, uh, do you guys get a good response with the Transfiguration podcast? You know, I wish that I paid more attention. I, I, he, people say things to me occasionally, but I, I just honestly don't don't pay a lot of attention to uh, to the feedback. Interesting. Yeah. And it's been, you guys have had, what's the name of the Transfiguration podcast? Because we can pitch that. I think it's just Transfiguration. It's on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Okay. Transfiguration. So you type in Transfiguration or Transfiguration Church in YouTube, and it should I think so. it should pop up pretty quickly. I'm going to go check that out when I okay. get home. Okay, good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, we just did one recently, our 15th anniversary. Father John Paul Erickson is the pastor here. I am the associate. We are classmates, so we, wow. we share that same, that same ordination anniversary. You have a lot of history. Yeah, it, it's, it's fun. It's nice. I remember when you were at, because we met when you were at uh, St. Ambrose, you had just come out of seminary and your first assignment was at the St. Ambrose uh, community. And um, I volunteered to help with RCIA and you were leading RCIA and yes. uh, doing, a, doing a fantastic job with that. Um, and then, uh, well, that reminds me, I'm gonna have to talk to you about something after this. Um, but uh, I remember you and I sitting down and talking about, like, I, I asked you um, uh, how, your path to um, becoming a priest. Like, what was the what was what was the discernment process, and how did that work out? And uh, you told me that you want to tell the story. Or you want me to? You tell me what you remember. <laughs> so you told me that you were in a very serious relationship. And you were uh, thinking about proposing to your girlfriend. You were right on the brink of doing that. And then you um, went on a discernment retreat or some sort of uh, discernment uh, experience. What was that? Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess, you know, I was, I would say it was definitely a, a serious dating relationship. And the decision had to be made, you know, whether we're going to. Uh, get married or we were going to break break things off for sure and I um, we were she left town right she left town yeah we were we were uh, living a few blocks apart in in st. Paul in the Grand Avenue Dalish area yeah and we would go this is actually a distant relationship to, to father Rob Kroll we were attending what was St. Luke's at the time, a Jesuit-run parish in, in St. Paul, huh. and we would go to, to Mass together. But she went home. She went to visit her parents for the weekend. Her parents were in, in Illinois. So I had been thinking about priesthood for, for some time, for a couple years, and it was not popular with her, as you can imagine. <laughs> I was not a desire. Imagine. Oh, yeah. So discerning priesthood can be kind of a, a lonely experience. Not a lot of people are talking about that. And so I decided that when she went away for the weekend, I was going to sort of make an informal retreat of it. And I was going to pray. And when I... I made a resolution that when I went to Mass on Sunday, because she was not going to be with me, I would speak to a, another young man who was at church, and presumably because of that might have some idea of what it's like to think about becoming a, a priest. So I went to St. Luke's and went to Mass, and when Mass was over, I, I turned to a young man who was near me, he seemed to be about my age, and 
I introduced myself, and he said, are you Kevin's brother? And it was an unusual or unexpected question because my brother Kevin, who's two and a half years younger than me, he was on the East Coast, New Jersey, I think, at the time. But we look alike. We, we look alike. So I said, yes, I have a brother named Kevin. And he basically said, my name is Chris. I went to college with your brother at Catholic University. I'm studying to be a Jesuit priest. Which was kind of shocking to think that I had made this resolution to, yeah. to, to talk to somebody who might understand what it is to be a priest. And the very person I, I introduced myself to knows my brother and is studying to be a priest. So I came away thinking, you know, if, if I have to be reasonable, right? If, if there's going to be some indication of God's will for me, I gotta give this priesthood thing a try. I mean, what do I expect? You know, to right. somebody to pick me up off the street and bring me to the seminary and 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 enroll me? I mean, I've got to um, I've got to give it a shot. So yeah, so that was a very that. So then, unfortunately, what at the time the hardest thing I had ever done. I've done more difficult things since then, but was was to break up with my girlfriend and um, and then start on this this journey. Yeah. So it wasn't a tremendous shock to her, but she was probably regretting leaving town that weekend. Yeah, we didn't talk a lot about that, um, but I imagine, it, yeah, it was not, it was certainly not what, what she had, had hoped to hear at the time. But, you know, but praise God, she's gone on to do wonderful things, and it's all, it's all, it's all working out great. She's happy that you're a priest now? Uh, you know, I suspect she is. Oh, good. I have every reason to think that she is. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it might be just one of those people that, uh, that's like, you know, first love, hard to get over. That said, she, she's not pining. No, 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 no. Okay. We're, we're all good. We're all right. Good. All right. Fantastic. Um, the other thing that I remember from when you uh, were at St. Ambrose, and we were just sitting around talking about something. And then you uh, mentioned the fact that um, when you, when you, as opposed to most people, when you close your eyes and ask to imagine something, you and you're actually doing what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm you, checking, you checking can't, to make sure it's still true. You can't visual, you can't envision anything in no. your head. No, and, and it's funny, again, there's a St. Luke's connection. St. Luke's is a, well, it's not St. Luke's anymore. It's St. Thomas More in the right. corner of Lexington and Summit in St. Paul. Beautiful church. It's been run by Jesuits for some time. And uh, when, I, when I, I got there, in uh, which must have been 1996, I, I volunteered to teach religion. And I remember going to a gathering of all the religion presumably elementary age students, and the, the leader, the DRE, says, we're going to do Ignatian exercises. We're going to, so close your eyes and imagine you're in this scene, some scene from the gospel. And I, I close my eyes and black, black, black. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine. It never really, I don't know that I was, I mean, I clearly was not able to do it, but I had never really been asked to do it before and I I couldn't do it and so yeah since then it's been clear to me I cannot when people do these exercises imagine that you're this or that I I just simply can't do it is that why you didn't eat? I mean it, is that why you didn't uh, uh, become a Jesuit well you know because of the imagery <laughs> I wish that was the reason no I I did I you know I love my favorite my favorite saints, probably my top ten favorite saints, there's probably four great Jesuit missionaries of the, uh, you know, shortly after the Reformation. And I just, I really am inspired by some of the um, the great Jesuit missionary saints, no mm -hmm. question. But, yeah, I just found the diversity of opinion within the Jesuit community about, like, even the existence of God to be hard to to um, swallow. I okay. <laughs> Sorry, other... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have yeah. asked that question. 
<laughs> but there's a lot of good Orthodox Jesuits. Yes, I, I, gonna... I'm, so, I'm just delighted to know of, of Father Rob and, and the good things that are that he's doing. And so, yeah. I don't think you're offering anything that's shocking or new to anybody who's listening to us. So. Maybe not. <laughs> so... Um, and I mentioned this in the last time that we talked um, that I, I noticed a huge transformation between when you were an associate pastor at St. Ambrose and, and your homiletics back then and, and that they were very thoughtful, they were very theological, they all made sense and they were, you know, but, but it wasn't anything that was um, blowing the doors out of the church. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, you weren't doing anything that was, uh, you know, shocking to anybody. Um, and then I listened to, last year, I listened to uh, one of your podcast or one of your uh, homilies that was recorded. And um, it was um, on um, uh, nice people don't all go to heaven. And I was blown away at the difference in your style. And you've just become like so more impassioned about preaching the truth and getting that out there. And, I, and not to say that you weren't ever preaching the truth before, but there's this feels like to me there was at some point when there was a transition for you where you wanted to become more vocal and more um, passionate. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that uh, fresh out of the seminary, you're... you're most of us are probably very academic because yeah. we've spent so many years in school and that's what we're used to. And then and then to get into the into the world and parish ministry and I think it's it's fairly evident to me that all the this has been this has been quite a fifteen years, I mean, all the, the scandal in, in that has come out in the church and to want to be part of the the solution, unfortunately, I, I think um, you know. I remember being at St. Ambrose, and when I was doing RCA and, and other things, and I was a new. I had that, that fresh new priest smell, as, yeah. as Deacon uh, Steve <laughs> mentioned about his fresh new deacon smell. I uh, I I said to somebody in authority there that I. Or I indicated at least, or they, it came across them that I wanted everyone to be Catholic, and that was definitely what I thought and, and what I still want. Not, hopefully not for any selfish reasons, but just because I think that's best for. I think it's best for everyone to be Catholic, mm -hmm. and and this person in authority um, said that this was not the goal of of the St. Ambrose Enterprise, and over time I, it began to dawn on me that there's a lot of people just kind of like the status quo, they like the machine, they like, they presumably like to punch the clock or, or, or even having a, a, a job to which they can put a lot of, uh, invest a lot of energy and time, but they're not necessarily concerned about the results or, right. or and 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 people coming to to faith in Christ and and receiving the sacraments of the church and I got really kind of upset about that I didn't realize that I, I thought every I guess I'm probably naive by nature and I thought everyone wanted everyone that worked for the church presumably wanted everyone to be Catholic and uh, but then I learned that that wasn't true and that some people, that work for the church didn't even have um, uh, the unselfish motives. I mean, they were they had apparently some motives that were were evil, and hmm. that was kind of. I mean, we don't, we can name some of the. Characters. Oh, we will after the podcast's <laughs> over with because I'm curious. But I mean, I, and I'm not talking about Saint Amber. I'm talking on like an, in, even oh, on sure. an international scale. I mean, clearly there's people that have done very bad things, and so, yeah. So I, I think I did desire to um, fight against some of that, mm -hmm. a lot of that, maybe even, mm -hmm. and, and and some more egregious things, but even some smaller things. Just the the notion that all nice people go to heaven. I, I think that's very. I think that's just not religion. So when did you feel like you were off the chain and you could uh, 
become more passionate. And I think that I think what what you're talking about, and I, and I totally agree. Um, I think that a lot of people at um, several churches that I've I've been to, um, that the congregants aren't looking to get challenged. They aren't looking to be made uncomfortable. They are looking to. Uh, they're here for the hour. Um, they just want to hear some. Uh, they they, they want to hear the gospel and they want to hear some nice things about it, and then go about their day. Yeah, I think that that's what I'm led to believe by by a number of different folks that I encountered as well. Yep. Yeah. So I think you know to be honest, it was the the um, the crisis within our within our own diocese that that pushed me over the the edge that uh, when um, revelations came out about priests, uh, one priest in particular in our, our own diocese having been put in a position of authority after his behavior had been a very clear uh, signal that he ought not to be put in mm-hmm. a position of authority and then he used that authority to abuse young people. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think it was at that point that I, I, I felt like I can't, I can't be complicit in this anymore. I have to try to, I have to try to fight against this. So that that is almost certainly when that was the first. Yeah, yeah, that was I think when it started. Well, and and the, I mean, there was a tone that changed when I started listening to your homilies, where it was, um, it felt more like um, you were evangelizing to people than you were just teaching oh good yeah well that reminds me of um in, in his document of evangelization that now saint pope paul the sixth said that um if if the so, uh, basically says something like if if the if the world will accept teachers especially in regard to religion, it, it will ex- accept them to the extent that they're witnesses. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, to maybe back up a bit, too, with my own struggles with obsessive-compulsive disorder and the suffering that I went through with that while I was at St. Ambrose mm-hmm. was a, founda- a foundational piece of making the, the transformation from... A teacher to a witness. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of witness is probably born of. Well, any effective, persuasive witness is gonna probably be born of suffering, and so to have. So, so I had the theological education, and then I had this experience of tremendous suffering, mm-hmm. and then and then I think it was in that experience of suffering that the the learning was in some ways integrated with with life Mm -hmm. and allowed me to witness and speak personally instead of just being a i'm just presenting the facts i'm just reading the catechism to you i mean i might put a give a particular example that feels relevant but it was after struggling mightily with obsessive compulsive disorder and all the suffering that came with that that I was able to share emotionally, mm-hmm. hopefully appropriately, mm-hmm. and hopefully with some persuasive force. And then also I think to feel like, you know, I've already I've already been sort of publicly humiliated in in my struggle with OCD I can afford to uh, I can afford to take chances I'm not I'm not I'm not rising to the top of the of the, the structure anytime so I didn't have to worry about losing favor with people and not being promoted and, and things like that which I think it's safe to say is is part of a of the dynamic of a priest's career you know, trying to stay out of trouble and uh, still be available for promotions and things like that. Interesting. So was this, um, was the whole OCD experience, which you've, you seem to have resolved now. 
Yeah, it's very well managed. It's extremely well managed. That's fantastic because that 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 can just drive people crazy. Yeah. Yes. It, it, if you're going to have something, it's if you get the right help, it it's. I think in the vast majority of cases, it can be managed in such a way that it's makes almost no impact on your life. Wow. Unlike unlike some other disorders that sure. can be really difficult to manage. Uh -huh. But um, but you need to get the right kind of help, which is something I learned as I went through. So would you consider that as much uh, as it was a, a suffering experience, as much as it was, as you, you state, um, with humiliation, but was there was there some freedom that came with that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was uh, there was real freedom because, uh, in different ways, because I think prior to it's safe to say that my my understanding of of priesthood would have uh, before ordination why I was chosen would have been rooted in. The, the, the scripture passage to, to those to whom much has been entrusted, much will be expected. Right. I, I recognized, I mean, I, there's no reason. It's all, it's all God's gift. I had a lot of natural gifts, and I was a good student for one, among other things. And so I felt like I was, uh, I was, I was gifted and that I had a, a, a debt that ought to be paid because of the, the natural gifts that I had and that I was on something like maybe the all-star team. But then, then you find out you have a, a, a dis, uh, disorder. I mean, it's in the very name of obsessive compulsive right. disorder. Uh, it's hard to get around that it's... Uh, and so then, then trying to understand my, my vocation and, and come to terms with the fact that I'm not this except I, I have real great deficiencies in mm -hmm. in in brain chemistry of all things it's sort right. of the very the very giftedness that I used to explain understand justify my calling was uh, was defective come to terms with that wonder if I had completely deceived myself, had a mistaken calling, come to terms with the fact that God pro almost certainly used aspects of that disorder to, uh, to get a hold of me because I was obsessed with religion mm -hmm. um, and uh, to, to try to to come to an understanding of my vocation, my relationship with God, it was, it really turned things upside down and in a certain way made me recognize that God's love for me doesn't depend on me behaving perfectly and doing things perfectly all the time. I was still, uh, I mean, I, it'd be, it would be dishonest to say I don't have some of that still. I still am probably a perfectionist in some regard, but, um, but it was a, there was a significant degree of freedom that came with realizing, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to uh, be perfect. I I don't have to be perfect, and in some extent, I don't have to really care what a lot of other people think of me. It's really what God thinks of me that that matters. And I came to value. I don't know that I could explain it. I really came to value authenticity hmm. during that whole process. Um, so I, I, I came to, to, um, to really value yeah, being, sort of being true, true to myself. And sometimes that puts you at odds with other, with other people. Okay. So, um, we talked before about, um, your involvement at, at, at Belle Plaine and having to, um, go out and speak the truth to the city officials and basically evangelize to them yeah. and, and, and get that across. Um, how has this freedom um, impacted your desire for to evangelize to people? And is it just, are you just evangelizing to the people of Transfiguration or do you feel like you're evangelizing to a lot broader scope? Or 
Well, I mean, I'd say my principal responsibility is, is the people of Transfiguration. Now, with technology and, you know, the... Podcast? One of the... The, the, the two are gathered podcast. Well said. With Father Rob Kroll and Jim Fellows. Uh, but, you know, I think, and two, I, it was one of the silver linings of, of the virus that many... Many parishes uh, got the capability to, to stream masses and reach a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so there's there's some some beyond transfiguration. I uh, I think yeah I think I think it allowed me to um, it allowed me to to feel free to to express myself that I I thought I had passion about certain areas of responsibility of the priest and not as much about others which are necessary to be the pastor of a parish but I, I just to be honest with with my bosses and maybe with everyone that I just I'm really not it's not my thing I, I if I don't have to um, do administrative work. I just assume not. You sure. Know, I'd rather put my energies into into other things, not glamorous, but just the nitty gritty of that comes with reaching out to people and and teaching and being. More, I'm more of a front line guy than a behind the scene guy. I think by temperament. Well, yeah, I think that's been obvious in the the transition in your homilies, and I get the. The, the fact that uh, when you first started out and you're coming out of the seminary and you're being introduced and um, that there would be a lot of, um, there would be a conservative approach to your homilies as far as I'm not going to rock the boat yeah. in this new place. I'm not going to take off my boss. What? I'm going to yeah. take off the people who are in the congregation and all that stuff. But you've certainly taken a, a different route from that. Um, I th- which apparently the freedom from uh, your OCD experiences has played a- it just it reminds me of like Paul like it's just like it just screams Paul at me when oh, you start uh, talking well that, that is kind of Paul's my guy St. Paul's my guy I would imagine yeah yeah he's my favorite saint for sure that's so okay well I'm good I'm glad I read that right yeah absolutely spot on but so um, when you're inva- evangelizing, um, what would you say is the, um, the the core thing that you really want to impress upon people? I, I think not too not in the t- too distant past. I, ca- I came to realize that that Christ crucified is the Catholic proclamation of, of the gospel. You know, we have our crucifixion is such a prominent symbol for our. For our faith, and, and we don't even see it in other groups that consider themselves to be to be Christian. The uh, and and Saint Paul, of, of course, insisted on this. We preach Christ crucified, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that is that is is what people need to to know. That's the love of God that that people need to know is is, is Christ crucified, and of course risen. But um, yeah, the the crucified Lord, who's risen and and continues in His risen body, continues to have the wounds of the crucifixion. That the wounds, those glorified wounds, are His identity marker. Right. That's how He proves to the disciples that it's Him. It's not just somebody who looks like Him. Right? Mm-hmm. That it, that that it's me. Like touch these wounds. Put your hand in my side. That's it. It's his very identity. So I, I think that's that's what we we need for people to know. I always um, when I think about Thomas and the uh, uh, that's that uh, story in the Bible, um, I always wonder if Jesus was ticklish. Uh, I, I imagine he probably I've, I've ruined that gospel for a few people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never crossed my mind. No. One of the things that did cross my mind, I don't know if I've seen anywhere else, is, and I'm happy to, to share, is, uh, you know, Thomas Didymus means twin. Mm-hmm. And Thomas's reluctance to, um, to accept that it was Jesus, I, I, 
again, I can't picture it in my mind, but I, I mean, I'm able to think ideas in my mind, of course. But I'm thinking Thomas, let's assume he was an identical twin. And he lived his whole life, I don't know his twin's name, but let's say he, he's Thomas and his brother is Tim. You know, and they're calling him Tim. And he said, no, it's, I'm not Tim, I'm Thomas. This, this, I, pre, I presume that twins live with a certain amount of frustration of mistaken identity, right? No, I'm not Tim, I'm Thomas. And then he, the, then the apostles say, hey, he appeared to us. And he's like, he's lived his whole life with mistaken identity. And he says, no, it's, it's not him. And clearly it's somebody that just looked like him. Or That's intriguing. I won't believe until I, until I, I touch his wounds and, and, uh, and I see him. And, uh, yeah, so that, I thought that was, I don't, I don't know. I'd never considered that before. That's, that's, uh, that's a really intriguing, uh, idea. And he's probably ticklish. <laughs> I've been an advocate for the angry mysteries of the Rosary, but right. um, but I, I'm, I'm thinking there might be a, there might be a place for the uh, the the humorous mysteries of the Rosary. That'd be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I don't even. Thomas tickles Jesus. <laughs> I was, um, and I'd mentioned this before on the podcast. Uh, uh, there was. Um, they're uh, magicians named uh, Penn and Teller. Have you yeah. ever seen their work? Did they get eaten by the tiger? No. That's somebody else. That's somebody else. Okay. Penn and Teller, um, uh, they do, they, they actually have a show on right now uh, called Fool Us, and people come, magicians come and they try to perform something that they can't figure out, and it's, it's very entertaining. But Penn and Teller have been very uh, vocal about the fact that they're both atheists. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And I had, um, uh, I saw uh, uh, Penn had, um, yeah, Penn, Penn's the one who talks. Um, Penn had a deal with uh, Sony where he just record things and put them on YouTube and just whatever came across his mind and he just put it out there. And That's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah, just whatever suited his fancy. And then one day he talked about how after a show, um, a, a person came up to him after the show, gave him a Bible and asked if he could talk to him about his faith. And, 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 and Penn was very polite which is unusual with atheists. I don't find that to be, you know, I don't find a lot of atheists uh, being polite with me. Um, but he, he was he was respectful and he was polite and he listened and he accepted the Bible. And he, he said, you know what? He, uh, he said, the thing that really impressed me was this guy's concern for my soul. Mm. And he said, if you, he goes, I don't believe any of this, but if you honestly believe that I'm going to spend eternity in hell, Shouldn't you be spending 24 hours a day trying to convince me of that? Yeah, it's a great point. I've heard I've heard uh, similar similar uh, instances in 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 people's lives, and it's it, it gets at a fantastic point. It really challenges Christians, I think, to consider to uh, do, do I. I, how do I believe? What's the depth of my belief? What, um, yeah, what, why am I spending my energies the way I am? And why am I not spending them another way? I've heard a sim very similar story about somebody being told about the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And, and she said, there's no way you believe this. If, if I believe this, I'd, I'd, I'd live in the church. I would never leave the church. Yeah. And, uh, these are legitimate um, observations with with real with real merit. I think we should take them to heart. I, I agree, but I think that um, that type of evangelization is uh, uncomfortable for many Catholics. Yeah, probably ninety nine point nine nine. I remember um, living living in the my townhouse before I got married. And I would get an occasional knock on the door, and it would be representatives from the Lutheran Church or Jehovah Witnesses or, or Mormons that would be stopping by and just being like, hey, I just want to, you know, invite you to our church and blah, 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 blah. And I never got a Catholic showing up in my place. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, we... we uh 
we're we're behind, and you know the times are. I I uh, again, we talked about um, some being honest and gifts and what we want to do and how we want to spend our time, and and I think for me coming out of the the virus situation and the restrictions, I do think that this summer of 2021 is a fantastic, perhaps once once in a lifetime opportunity to to recognize there's a real there's a real need and a and 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 almost an invitation to reach out to people to to knock on their doors and say you know we're opening back up we're 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 hoping that you'll come and check us out you know where these are our masses are this time and and whatever we can do to help you we would like to 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 do that so i am really looking forward to the summer of, of 2021 as for me personally and 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 i hope that other people will recognize what a, what a once in a sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to have just the the an excuse that everyone on the planet recognizes oh yeah we haven't we haven't done this sort of thing for a while right uh, of course of course you would be reaching out at this time mm-hmm. you know I, I think it's yeah so I hope, hopefully god will bless that uh catholic op, uh, evangelization attempts do you think that um the antith- antithetical beliefs have been um how, how would i say more, like more aggressive in our society the you know the the beliefs against the truths that the Catholic Church teaches, you know the things that the Catholic Church teaches, and then people are going out and 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 pushing the opposite and um, seem to have a stronger voice. Yeah, you know I think um, I think things have gotten devolved to such a point that people probably such a large fraction of people probably don't even know what the catholic church teaches Mm -hmm. and i think i think we want to start with real basics like jesus died and he rose from the dead and he offers us eternal life and and we'd like you to receive that and uh so so please come and and hear what we have to say and what we have to offer and then some of the, you know, the, the issues that really grab our attention and our, uh, you know, we, those can be addressed later on. Uh, I, think, I think first things first is that Jesus died for you, he died for me, he died for everyone. And he offers eternal life. He's the only one who's selling it. If you want it, you've got to get it from him. And, uh, and, and this is the way he's chosen to dispense it, right? He... He has established a church that dispenses eternal life through through the sacraments, and we, you know, we're giving them away for free. We just want you to come and, and get it, and then, yeah, we can cross some of those other bridges later on. So, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're familiar with? Yeah, yeah. This would be Father Lynch's uh, uh, hierarchy of uh, faith. Yeah, I've, I've Start certainly... Start with Jesus. Yeah, well, that's a pretty good... <laughs> I'm on solid ground. Oh, yeah. No, um, no, no, no. Nobody's dis- disputing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that's first thing first. Yeah, for Jesus is first. I, when, when I was uh, doing youth ministry for 10 years, um, and I would, you know, I'd give talks and bring kids on retreat and, and try to do things that were inviting to the church, Um, But the one thing that I thought was the most important thing for me to do was to uh, live out my faith as best I could. And I would get really favorable responses from the kids. They would be like, Jim lives what he believes. I never talk about that. It wasn't a talk on a retreat. But Jim always lives out what he believes. And I I feel today, and you tell me if I'm wrong, uh, I feel today that maybe that's just not enough anymore. That's not enough anymore. Yeah, okay. I didn't have to think about that. No, no, it's it's certainly it's. I think that's something we we maybe uh, need to be very intentional about. About we we've got that was nice maybe a couple decades ago. Yeah, which it was. And uh, but now things are have devolved to such a point where it, it, subtlety is not. Subtlety is not working. It's, right. It's got to be. It's, it has to be more 
it's gotta really grab people, I think. Yeah. Wake them up. Wake them up would be good. That would be good. They're woke. We gotta woke them. <laughs> we gotta got woke the woke. You just you just taking their words and turning around. Yeah, we, we gotta. <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's uh, it's not enough anymore. I don't think to just. Um, so what do you think we gotta do? I think we have to reach out personally to people. I think we do have to be inviting people by name. I think we have to be knocking on doors. I think we have to be telling people why we are doing, living our lives the way that we are living them. And uh, yeah, be very, be very explicit about that. And even for us Catholics to include that it's, it's not just Jesus. I mean, it is, in a certain sense, it's just Jesus. Mm-hmm. But and then in a very real and practical sense, it's not just Jesus. That Jesus, he has, he has established the church, and, and he gets to decide how he distributes his, his blessings. Mm-hmm. Right? And he has, he has decided that, that he does it through the Catholic Church, and the, in particular through the sacraments, and we need to to let people know that and to in, invite them to receive them. So what do you do in the summer? Well, I've got, you know, I, I'm, I'm here at Transfiguration, which is on the corner of Century or 120 and uh, 15th Street. That's, uh, that's just sort of east of 3M headquarters. And where you used to work. Where I used to work. That's well, I didn't work at I worked on camp, the headquarters campus, but not at like the big tower. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, we've got we've got a number of apartment complexes in our area, and I, uh, I I'm I'm very much looking forward to 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 knocking on doors and and asking people to come check us out and and that that kind of that kind of thing very old school. Yeah, inviting people, personally inviting people. I think I think for a lot of people that would be terrifying. I think that would be absolutely terrifying for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it. I think I think there's ways to uh, to get over that. And I think and I think you want to go with somebody else. I think sure, you have some backup. Yeah. Well, I've never seen, you know, uh, evangelicals or Lutherans or anybody come just one on one at my door. They come in with a, they yeah. come with a buddy. Yeah, exactly. I think that that um, at least a step in the right direction, and I think a lot of people are hesitant about this, is to just admit to the fact, admit to the fact that you are Catholic. Yeah. You go out in public. You're at a coffee house or coffee shop, and you're getting a cup of coffee. And someone starts talking about uh, pro-choice and uh, pro-choice issues, and 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 like it, I even find myself hesitating and being like, well, "I'm sorry, but I'm Catholic and I'm pro-life, and I don't share your beliefs." Sure. But I always, and if I do, when I do, the response is never good. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's sure. always it's a very strong reaction, which I think is off-putting for some people. Yeah. Not you. You seem to enjoy thrive well, on that. I've had a different, you know, I'm all, I'm generally in my cleric, so people kind of, I think they make a number of assumptions, some which are, are, are true and some which are probably not. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think on that issue, people pretty much know where I stand just when they see me. Right. So, yeah, I think our experiences would be a, a little bit different in that in that regard. Maybe, um, <laughs> but I do think that for the average for the for the lay person going out there. Oh, absolutely! Oh, I don't just admit, and like we we just got to be able to stand up and say if they're willing to stand up and say, "I am pro-choice. I believe that this is important," or "I'm whatever." Absolutely. That we should have the same um, strength to say, "Well, I'm pro-life and absolutely. I'm Catholic, and this is what I believe." Yeah. And I'm not, 
telling you what you need to do, but uh, this is this is how I live my life. Yeah, and I've been trying to impress upon people, and some of them are probably getting tired of it. That uh, I didn't, I don't. My mandate to to witness to Jesus did not come with ordination. It certainly that certainly gives me uh, some sort of privileged opportunities, but the mandate came with confirmation, right? That's that's so everyone who's confirmed is empowered, commissioned to do the very thing that you've just said. They're expected to do the very thing that you just said. And they don't need my permission or anyone else's to do it. They, right. they It's weird how uh, I do find that people want to come to me for permission for doing, uh, implicitly coming for permission for me to do things that uh, they, they don't need my permission to, to witness to Jesus, to to. To pray at Planned Parenthood, I'm I'm happy to, to 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 teach them how and give them some tools, but I can't like be constantly holding their hand and they've right. got to, you know, you, you you're gonna do it, you got to do it, and and it's you're gonna make mistakes and, um, but you're gonna if you do it, then you'll you'll learn from your mistakes. Well, the thing that I try to keep in mind, if I'm in that situation, it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. But the thing that I try to keep in mind is that um, my witness is, my trying to be a witness to the gospel may not impact the person who I'm directly dealing with. But I have no idea of the people around me who are watching this and may be impacted. Absolutely. I think that that's uh, I think that's the case why martyrdom was such a strong thing um, early in the early in the church and you know today that people see they witness what people are willing to do for their faith absolutely and then they join that faith because of it yeah you know I, one of my favorite activities is to is to sort of some combination of prayer and outreach and, and protest outside of Planned Parenthood and I don't know I, again I, I just I show up I do what I think I'm supposed to do how, who and how whether it's the very people I'm, I'm trying to speak to I'm impacting or the people just driving by I, I don't know who I'm impacting but I just I leave that to God right and and I don't I just I just have the responsibility to to show up and do what I believe God would want me to do, and then leave leave the results to to Him. Whether it's uh, planting seeds in the in the very per- people who work there, or or visiting there for for services, which uh, which would be great, or or if it's other folks, I, I don't know. If it's to encourage the other people who are there or that are praying, yeah, you know, I just don't know, but. I uh, I get uh, I feel I feel that that's where we I, I really feel like in this time we need folks on the front lines to do that kind of stuff. Well, I tell you, Father, and I'm I firmly believe this that and hopefully this day isn't going to come for a long time. But on the day of your death, I think that you are uh, going to be able to say with absolute confidence. Um, I did my best. Well, and I think you. that's phenomenal. Thank you. I certainly, I, I, I guess I wouldn't, I don't know, certainly fail and certainly think that I've, I've wasted opportunities. But um, yeah, yeah, hopefully just doing this is a, a, this very podcast is a manifestation of my, of, of a desire that I have to do what I can. Well, you're not, you're not complacent. That's fact. Okay. All right. I'll just take that. Thank you. Thank you. So anything else we need to cover on this one? Or? Um, I think, uh, I don't know if you received as much uh, abuse as, as it would be <laughs> beneficial for the audience. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah. You want to talk about my weight? Enough. You want to mention that? Uh, no, I, I would be I'd be getting myself into dangerous dangerous territory if, if I did that and uh, um, yeah no it's it's just it's great I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, so pleased to have been reconnected now that I'm up in the in the East Metro again and uh, really really enjoyed this conversation well 
I enjoy every conversation that we have, Father. I always have. Um, and it's, uh, it's nice that we're reconnecting on this whole thing. Um, you mind leading us in prayer? I sure will. Let's, uh, let's, let's think. Uh, yeah, so today is Memorial Day. It's the... Uh, we're not going to mention that because we're already getting a Memorial oh. Day podcast. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you, you, know what we could, you know what we could offer as an intention? It's a little selfish. Um, but I just uh, took a position with a nonprofit called Partners for Hope, Ooh. and uh, it's an outreach to a, a village in um, Buambo, Tanzania, and now I am their um, marketing and donor development uh, director. Wow. So if you don't mind if we uh, have a special intention for Partners for Hope and yeah. people. People in Buambo are now getting hit with uh, COVID. Wow. So, yeah. Oh my. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray for that. Uh, that uh, that great new responsibility in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together where Jim and I have been able to to share our faith and we ask in a special way for blessings for the people of Bamo, Tanzania that Jim has been made responsible for, for trying to help in this difficult time when they're struggling with the virus. We ask for protection on, on them. We ask that you give Jim all the, the, the strength and the grace that he needs to help them and that they will all be well and know your great love for them. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Folks, if you have prayer intentions or if you have any questions or if you just want to connect with us, you can reach out to us either on Facebook or you can reach out to us uh, and send us an email at mail at toourgathered.com. Remember two, the letter R, gathered.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care. Mm -hmm.